Hi, this is Joel Knox from the Vineyard Church in Brenham, Texas. I'm so glad that you're interested in our podcasts. Our media is available to you free of charge, and it always will be. But if you'd like to help us out, you can go to our website, vineyardbrenham.org, and make a donation there. We'd appreciate it very much. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. You're probably asking yourself right now, what does this have to do with anything we've done here this morning? Well, I I hope I'll be able to tell you that by the time I'm done. That was what was known as the Freebird scene from one of my favorite movies, Elizabethtown. It was released in 2005. Orlando Bloom plays Drew Baylor. He's a sports shoe designer whose shoe design was supposed to change footwear for sports and leisure, and it ended up losing almost a billion dollars for his company. So on top of losing all this money, and of course, you lose that much money, you're going to lose your job. He gets fired. He loses his girlfriend. He loses everything. Well, he's gets to the point where he's ready to commit suicide. He's been contemplating it, and he's trying to figure out how to make it happen. And just as he's, he's putting this contraption together to help him kill himself, he gets a phone call. Y'all seen this movie? Anybody? You seen this movie? Okay, okay. So, so y- y'all, y'all, are, y'all are tracking with me. The rest of you are just still probably in shock, and that's Okay. <laughs> Well, he gets this phone call from his sister, and she's distraught. The family lives in Oregon, and, and he's in California someplace, and, uh, and she tells him, Dad died, and you've got to take care of, of the arrangements. See, their dad, Mitch, was from this town, Elizabethtown. And part of the story, and, and it's one of those that... Um, I, we need to have a movie night, and, and we can watch this together. But, but anyway, um, it, everyone in his hometown said that his wife and family swept him away from, from the small town of Elizabethtown and took him away to California. Well, he actually didn't go to California. They went to Oregon, and this was like this, this running thing that went throughout the movie. So anyway, Mitch, who's completely in shock from everything that happened to him essentially the day before getting this phone call, he, he finds out that his father has died, and so he's got to make this, this trip. So he gets on a plane, and he flies to Louisville, and then makes the drive into Elizabethtown. Well, on the way, on the flight, he meets this stewardess, Claire, and she's challenging pretty much everything that he knows to be true. And to be real, I, I mean, the poor guy's in shock. And every, every person he sees, he says, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Well, we didn't ask you. Well, I, I'm fine. I'm fine. He's in shock. So anyway, they hit it off. And all during this, he's having to deal with all the friends and the family who have all these expectations about the funeral. And so finally... They, they agree to have this, this memorial service. He's, his dad's already been cremated, and, and that was... Anyway, but 
so they, they, they're meeting together in this room and people are eulogizing his dad. And, they, and these are people that knew him when he was young. They didn't know anything about him once he moved away and you know, the family had all grown up. And so Jesse, the drummer, he's the misfit cousin. And he can't do anything right. Everything he tries to do, it's just a mistake. Well, he has a band by the name of Ruckus. And so one last time, he, he gets the band together so that they can pay tribute to their uncle. And you saw what happened. And the interesting thing about all of this is that Mitch had a, had a saying. And it was in that banner that caught on fire. If it wasn't this, it'd be something else. It all fits, right? Well, today I'm, I'm concluding our series in the Lord's Prayer. We've been, been doing this for the past six weeks. And today I want to focus on the last two verses, or the last, essentially the, the last verse in, in the prayer. It's a few lines. The doxology. And the title of what I'm going to talk to you about is the doxology, Everything is Yours. Now, as we've done since we started this series, we've, we've said the Lord's Prayer together before, before we started, so we're going to do it this one last time as we, as we conclude this series. So let, let's, let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, when we began this series, we talked about how the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. That's what started the whole thing. There was something about the way that Jesus prayed that in everything else that Jesus did, and Jesus, He, he, he sent them out to, to cast out demons. He sent them out to heal the sick. He sent them out to do all kinds of things. But the one thing that they were most interested in Him teaching them was how to pray. Lord, we want to pray like You do. And so that's what he did, and that's what we've been talking about. And we've been looking at this from, from the perspective of discipleship and what this means for our spiritual formation as believers. And we've looked at each phrase, and, and we, we were trying to find what Jesus intended for his disciples to know and to put into practice whenever they prayed. So that, that's what we've been doing these past six weeks. And as we move into this, we've also been saying that everything that was available to the disciples is available to us now. That's what we believe. That's what we teach. The kingdom is here. It didn't go away. It's here now. And so the Holy Spirit is with us. God's presence is with us. And we live in this tension of the, the already and the not yet of the kingdom of God. In Romans chapter 12, 
the Apostle Paul gave us what we call, or what has been called, the Christian Manifesto. Our marching orders in terms of what, what, how we're supposed to live in this, this tension of the already and not yet. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and I'm going to read from the message this morning. Paul says, here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Now, the original Greek of this text, that word has also been translated as worship, that offering. It's also worship. And the, the apostle, is essentially what Paul is saying here, is that every aspect of our lives, whether we realize it or not, can serve as worship to God. Now think about about that for a minute. Our everyday, ordinary life as worship to God. Think about your last week. What kind of worship came out of your life? You know, I think about a few times I got upset. Maybe said some things I shouldn't have said. You know. Did we put our, our full effort into the things that we did? You know, on our, on our job. Did we give our full attention to the people that we were interacting with? I mean, this is, this is what Paul's talking about. Our everyday, ordinary life and using that for worship. Now, in that clip that I showed you, Jesse took the opportunity to make a tribute to his uncle. He was really excited. And you probably saw in there that he kept making eye contact with a little boy in, in, that was in the crowd. That was his son. And he, was, he wanted his son to be proud. And he, he's having, having discipline problems. And, you know, and the kid, would, would, he would act out and do all these crazy things. And, and his dad would, would, would get on to Jesse and say, this, this child needs a father. He doesn't need a buddy. And we could see the point. But at the same time, you know, he, I, don't, I don't think he really knew how to even be a dad. And so here he is in this... In this this service, this celebration of his uncle's life, and he gave the only thing that he really knew how to give, which was a song. And to be quite honest, I think it would be cool one of these days, whenever I die, if if somebody decided to play Freebird at my funeral. You know? What's that? Oh, Chris is learning. Okay. My, my son is learning how to play it, so that, 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 that could happen. Not that I'm looking forward to it, but... Now, it wasn't until... I mean, everything was, was fine, but it wasn't until that, that paper mache eagle caught on fire that everything really started getting out of control, right? 
Remember? The things, the things that you can't anticipate. The things that you, you, know, you make all the plans and you, and you try to get everything just right and then something just goes amiss and then the next thing you know it's chaos. What just happened? Well, remember that motto again. If it wasn't this, it would be something else. You know, I think a lot of times we, we look for something else. Things come our way, we, 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 we face tests, we face temptation, we, we, face, we, we, we face struggles. You know, things happen. And, you know, the next thing you know, it's like, what, what, what am I supposed to do with this? How, how am I going to, to even make this work? I mean, you know, AC goes out. You know, well, I mean, what, what, what do you do with that? Feels like I lost a whole week trying to trying to work all that that stuff out, but but the fact is, if it wasn't this, it would be something else. It really would. So, how do we face the this that comes in, in into our path? When you look back on this week, did did you celebrate your relationship to God? Did you worship Him in your ordinary, everyday life? This is the stuff that we're talking about. And it doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be perfect. He accepts it for what it is. He just wa- and He wants us to give Him our worship. Jesus told His disciples in Matthew chapter 5, and this is also from the message, Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and you'll just end up in the garbage. Nobody wants to go in the garbage, right? Well... There's this particular meme that kept popping up on my feed this past week. This is Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And He, he says, and this is, this is the, if you can't read it, it says, when you told them to be the salt of the earth, but they, cho- they choose to be salty to everyone on earth instead. We become like what we worship. If we worship money, if we worship our possessions, we're not satisfied with what we have. We have to have more. We want more. You know, the the, the car that you got last year, well, you know, it's not quite as good as the new one that came out, you know, and so I got to get that. You know, and then and if if somebody's got a gadget that you like, then well, you know, I, I've got to get the, the the next generation because you know, after all, you know, I, I I'm up on this tech stuff, and you know, I mean, that's kind of how the, the the discussion works. You know, it, it's what you have it doesn't satisfy, and it just it just continues just to be a matter of just needing more and needing more and needing more. If we worship Jesus, if this is true that we, we become like what we worship, if we worship Jesus, then we become like Him. We become more kind, more gentle, more patient. 
more loving. And it's just an outflow of, of just spending that time with Him and, and doing what we do for Him in the course of our daily life. I found this from the, the Heidelberg Catechism, and I thought this was really neat. I've been, been doing a lot of, lot of stuff as far as like the ancients and, and, and doing a lot of reading as far as spiritual formation. But I, I thought this is just really appropriate for what we're talking about this morning. We have made all these requests of you, speaking to the Lord, as our all-powerful King. You not only want to, but you are able to give us all that is good. And because of your holy name... And not we ourselves should receive all the praise forever. In team sports, before a team takes the field, they'll usually huddle up together. You ever seen this? Anybody play team sports? Maybe, you know, in, 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 it's in women's sports too. So it's not just guys. But the team comes together. You know, you familiar with this? Y'all looking at me like you're not. But the guys come together and they stick their hands in together like this and they usually do something like team on three. One, two, three, two! Right? Well, in a sense, the doxology in the Lord's Prayer is kind of like that, that, that team huddle. We've been talking about all the, th- all the practical things in terms of how we pray. And at some point, we have to go out and face the world. At some point, we have to go out and interact with those, those neighbors that kind of get on our nerves or that, that co-worker that, that just, just gets on the last nerve. You know, we, we've got to actually live this life. And so... The doxology serves as this praise that we lift up to God. We're moving out of prayer and we're moving into engagement with the world. And as we go, we need to remind ourselves that those who are... We were made to worship. We were made to worship God. Everything is His and we were made to worship. In Romans chapter 11, and I'm almost done... For everything comes from Him and exists by His power and is intended for His glory. All glory to Him forever. Amen. And let me just tell you this. Worship is a big deal in heaven. Did you know that? If you read in in the book of Revelation, one third of the book is about worshiping God. We have... John talks about the angels worshiping God. He talks about these living beings with the eyes all over them that worship God. And the elders who fall down and worship God. And then again and again and again, and then finally whenever God's people get to heaven, they worship God. That's what they do. So here's, here's a little clue. If, you, if, if worship is something that's like, ah, I don't really think I need to, to worship God, you're really going to be out of place in heaven. Because that's all we're going to do. All day long, all night. That's, that's what Scripture tells us. That we're going to be worshiping forever. 
Now, I don't know if it's going to sound like the music we played this morning. I don't know if it's going to sound like, you know, something that, you know, who knows? I understand that, that there's, there's these beings in heaven that they're just instruments and they just play. So, you know, but worship is the stuff of heaven. It's, it's the stuff of heaven. And it's, it's actually what gets into the stuff of earth that actually helps us to get through it. So, let's stand. This is going to be a little different. I want us to say this prayer together today as we go. But we're not done quite yet, so... But let, let's, let's pray this together. Ever-living God, whose will it is that all should come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Inspire our witness to Him that all may know the power of His forgiveness and the hope of His resurrection who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And now we're going to end our service with worship.